Hello and welcome to Music for a While. I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion. Been a while. I've been on the road and otherwise messing around. But let me get to it without further ado. I have a New York Chronicle in the just-published New Criterion. I speak of a concert by the New York Philharmonic, live-streamed. I'll read a bit, if that's okay. This program featured a big Mozart work, or at least a long one. Ooh, that didn't sound very nice. The Serenade No. 10 in B-flat for winds, known as the Grand Partita. But the concert began with Lyric for Strings by George Walker. He referred to it as the Lyric. How do I know this? Because I knew the composer in the last years of his life. Born in 1922, George Walker died in 2018, when he was 96. He wrote Lyric for Strings in 1946. It is his best-known work. The Lyric is an orchestral version of the slow movement of Walker's String Quartet No. 1. You may remember that Samuel Barber's Adagio for Strings comes from that composer's own string quartet, the only one he wrote, unless you count Dover Beach for string quartet and baritone. Both Barber and Walker, as it happens, went to the Curtis Institute, where they studied with Rosario Scalero. In any case, George bristled when people compared Lyric for Strings with the Adagio. They're nothing alike, he would say. Well, they both belong to a category, I would say, and they both are wonderful. In addition to calling it the Lyric, George referred to Lyric for Strings as my grandmother's piece. He dedicated it to her. Malvina King lived with George and his family in Washington, D.C. She lived to a great old age. Her grandson knew her well. She was a former slave. She had had two husbands. The first she lost when he was sold at auction. The second had died. Malvina King never ever talked about slavery. When George pestered her for a word on the subject, any word, she spoke one sentence only. They did everything except eat us. Whether the lyric will become a permanent part of the repertory, no one can know. I wouldn't bet against it. No, I wouldn't. We'll hear it from the Cleveland Chamber Symphony conducted by Edwin London.
Lyric for Strings by the late George Walker, played by the Cleveland Chamber Symphony, led by Edwin London. Once more, I'm Jay Nordlinger, music critic of the New Criterion, and I'm bringing you music for a while. If you'd like to subscribe to our podcast, you may do so via iTunes, Google Play, etc. If you'd like to write to me, the address is nordlinger at newcriterion.com. If you'd like to sponsor the show, please let us know. I'm going to continue reading, reading about that New York Philharmonic concert. After the walker came Shostakovich, his concerto number one in C minor for piano, trumpet, and strings. The piano soloist was Yefim Bronfman, a great Shostakovich player, and a great player overall. In the late 1990s, Bronfman made a superb recording of Shostakovich's Piano Concerto No. 2 with Esapekka Salonen and the Los Angeles Philharmonic. I once told him that I admired this concerto very much and wished that I could hear it more often. He said he agreed, but orchestras were always requesting the first concerto, not the second. Shostakovich wrote six concertos, two for piano, two for violin, and two for cello. In each case, each pair, number one is the more popular. But we should not overlook the second concertos, especially the one for piano. In any event, the concerto number one is a fine piece and a strange one, like number two, actually, and like any number of Shostakovich pieces. It is wacky and serious, classical and popular, unexpectedly virtuosic in spots. Yep. And as Bronfman recorded number two with the Los Angeles Phil under Solonen, he recorded number one. The trumpet soloist is Thomas Stevens. We will hear the last movement marked Allegro con Brio. Wild.
Well, the final movement, Allegro con Brio, of Shostakovich's Concerto No. 1 in C minor for piano, trumpet, and strings, played by Yafim Bronfman and Thomas Stevens with the Los Angeles Philharmonic under the direction of the fabulous Finn, Esapekka Salonen. I'll read on. How about the Mozart, the Serenade No. 10 in B-flat for all those winds? It was good to hear the winds, front and center. The strings usually have pride of place. Jaap von Sweden, the New York Philharmonic's music director, conducted the piece with Mozartian expertise, with elegance, precision, and vigor. But I must say this, as someone who worships the ground Mozart walks on, as we all do. I'm not sure that Mozart ever intended his serenades and divertimentos to be played in concert halls as audiences listened, still and quiet. I think they are meant to be music you hear while strolling around at a party, en plein air. Now and then, the serenades and divertimentos are difficult sits. I know that many agree with me, though usually in whispers. But even now, I am listening to the Grand Partita as I write, and I must add, it is Mozart, which is to say, it's chock full of genius. <laughs> well, say what you will about the Grand Partita, there is one part that no one can resist, Mozart in very fine form, the Adagio, which is almost like an opera aria or duet or ensemble. Heavenly stuff. Here we go.
We have heard the adagio, songful, operatic, heavenly material, from Mozart's Serenade No. 10 for winds in B-flat major, the so-called Grand Partita. We heard a passel of winds under the direction of Sir Charles McCarris in 1994. Some more from my New York Chronicle in the current New Criterion. The Chamber Music Society of Lincoln Center has been streaming concerts from the Frederick R. Koch Foundation Townhouse. Fred Koch was a Koch brother, but not a Koch brother, if you know what I mean. Charles and David ran the company, Koch Industries. Fred and William were estranged. I knew Fred slightly. He was a patron of the arts, as was David, whose name is on a theater at Lincoln Center. Though Fred was a New Yorker, by way of Wichita, Harvard, the U.S. Navy, and Yale, I knew him chiefly through the Salzburg Festival. He owned a castle about 35 miles south of Salzburg. Blunbach, it's called. It was once the hunting castle of Franz Ferdinand. Then it belonged to Gustav Krupp, the steel magnate, who was tried at Nuremberg. Fred Koch was a gracious host at Blunbach, and a superb guide to it. He was rather shy, Fred was. At gatherings, he would stand or sit off to the side. But when you engaged him, he was bright and lively. He was not just a benefactor of the arts. He knew them, and books and other things. I imagine his life was not easy, no matter his millions or billions. For one thing, that family estrangement was severe. When I made this point at the time of Fred's death in February 2020, a reader replied, Sometimes very different apples fall from the same tree. A wise observation. From the New York townhouse, the Chamber Music Society presented a concert of piano music for two hands and four. The hands belonged to Wuhan and Gillis von Sattel. The program was all French. Later, I say, Wuhan played three pieces, Trois Morceaux, by Lily Boulanger. Lily, you may remember, was the younger sister of Nadia, the composer and famed teacher of composition. Lily died at age 24. She left an impressive body of work, or a tragic one, in that it shows what the composer could have gone on to do. Lifespans are funny. When Lily was born, her father, Ernest, also a composer, was 77. The Trois Morceaux are intelligent, neat, dear, and beautiful pieces, and Wuhan played them that way. She did indeed. I don't have a recording of hers in these pieces, but let's listen to Judith Pfeiffer playing the first of them, d'un vieux jardin, of an old garden.
simple, complicated, beguiling, dear French Impressionism. One of the three morceaux of Lily Boulanger, played by Judith Pfeiffer. In my chronicle, I discuss a couple of youth orchestras sponsored by Carnegie Hall. The younger one of them, open to students ages 14 to 17, played a work by Florence Price. I have discussed her on this podcast before. She was a Chicago composer, born in Little Rock, who lived from 1887 to 1953. In 1932, she composed Ethiopia's Shadow in America. It is in three parts, described by the composer as follows. The arrival of the Negro in America when first brought here as a slave, introduction in Allegretto, his resignation and faith, Andante, and his adaptation, a fusion of his native and acquired impulses, Allegro. In my view, the piece is thoroughly, also touchingly, American. I would like to play the middle movement, which is a beautiful thing.
the second movement Andante from Ethiopia's Shadow in America by Florence Price. We heard the BBC National Orchestra of Wales, conducted by Daniel Blendolf. In addition to the Price piece, that youth orchestra played a Hindemith piece, his famous symphonic metamorphosis of themes by Karl Maria von Weber. It certainly was famous. Is it still? I don't see it on programs anymore. In any case, it should never go out of style, and we'll go out, we'll conclude this episode of Music for a While, with the last section of the work, the March, played by the New York Philharmonic under Leonard Bernstein in 1970. Great to see you again, my friends. Until next time, you'll love this, stirring, even thrilling. (laughs) Thank you.